This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. It's the MVSP Season 3, Episode 46. I'm Joseph Nagy, along, as always, joining me across the table, Brandon Worth. Brandon, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. I mean, the fact that we both got our schoolwork done a whole weekend ahead. Dude, I got a three-day weekend coming up. We got hockey games coming up. We got to cover tennis matches coming up, too. But before we get into all that stuff, we got a great interview with Connor Fedoric, a defenseman on the Ferris State hockey team. So without further ado, let's swing it on over into the interview. Joining us now in studio, Ferris State hockey player Connor Fedoric is with us. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Connor, it's great to have you here, uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I know Red Out's coming up and you guys are getting ready for practice. I know in the elevator you're talking about Michigan Tech just showed up, so going to get ready for a great uh, couple games this weekend. But uh, to get into the first question, although home ice is out of play and the playoffs is out of reach, what's been the approach for the team uh, for these next two weekends? You're going to be playing Michigan Tech and Northern, two pretty tough teams to get ready for the postseason. Yeah, right now we're kind of just looking at Michigan Tech because we got to take it one game at a time. But mm-hmm. once we get that game under our belt and we get our momentum back, we're going to keep that going and hopefully ride into playoffs with it. For sure. Yeah, and we've noticed some um, some big improvements this year. Obviously, the win column everybody knows about is a, it's a big improvement. But what are the the things that you guys have seen, um, especially from this year, as opposed to maybe not having the same level from last year? I think uh, I would say our team chemistry this year. It's it's a lot deeper than what it was in the past years, and you die for one of one another out there. So it's kind of like you have that connection with everyone. You do whatever you can, and we just look out for one another out there on the ice, and it kind of helps with our overall play as well. Yeah, the brotherhood, that's a big thing. And especially with the CCHA and stuff, it's home to a lot of great teams. I mean, Minnesota State, Bemidji, a lot of teams that you guys have been playing for are playing against. But it's also home to a lot of great student sections. Uh, so in your opinion, what's the what's kind of the school that is the toughest to play at? And I mean, it doesn't have to be CCHA either. Like, what's kind of the one that the student section gets a little bit ruthless? Yeah, one of the ones, one, sorry, one of the ones would be uh, Western Michigan. That was my first actual away game that I played in. And it yeah. was just absolutely electric in there. For sure. Was, you couldn't even hear yourself think when you were going out there for a shift. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Any in the CCHA that kind of pick it up at all? Honestly, Michigan Tech's up there. Uh, if you see on their away games, you're going to see a lot of their fans in our stands tonight. They travel with the team, and it's they just they care a lot for hockey and the team, and it's it's nice to see that when you go there and they have a nice band playing. Mm-hmm. They do their little walkout song and everything, so it's kind of cool. The Mac is pretty crazy. Yeah, man. yeah, I believe it. We've heard the stories. I wish I could get up there one time. I, I really would. Yeah, see what that's like. But uh, uh, one thing that I've noticed too, Connor, um, over the the past year, you guys have really improved in the penalty kill. Um, over this year what has been the, the big improvement on the off season, and what's been the, the change in focus that have helped you guys kill more penalties this season uh, every every week we go over the penalty kill either once or twice a week either watching video on their power play knowing their systems and all that so we kind of adjust like week by week what we need to do but we just focus on the small details to be able to be to, to go against their power play so we kind of just work on that and go into the weekend with it for sure and I mean you also mentioned before how you said you die for your brothers out there Last year, you led the team in block shots. I think it was 39 to 40 or something like that. Uh, what's that process like when you kind of have to go in front of those slap shots that are going 80, 90 miles an hour and hoping that it doesn't you know, catch you in the spot where you're not protected? The only, the only thing you're really thinking about is not letting it get past you in the net. So that adrenaline's gone. Sometimes you feel it. Sometimes you don't. You'll feel it the next day, that's for sure. But you just got to do what you have to do to help your team out. What's the worst place you got hit? Oh... I would say collarbone, it right, right, oh. right past the shoulder pad. Didn't Oof. hit any padding. Hit the collarbone. That's never a good one. That bruise is really bad. Break it at all or no? No break, but it was good bruise. That's tough. <laughs> That's really tough. Yeah, I, for those that don't haven't played hockey and don't have the the full experience, what what is what's the pain tolerance out on the ice? Because you guys are getting you guys are getting checked into boards. You're getting pushed down on the ice, and inevitably punches get thrown that people don't see. Like, how, what's that toughness level that you guys see on the ice every single game? It's it's up there. I I don't I don't know if I can really compare it to another sport because I didn't play many other ones besides hockey and soccer. And obviously, soccer's not 
contact like hockey is. So, but I, I guess I'm kind of used to it by now. But people would say you get thrown into a game and get hit. It's it's not going to feel good. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I play in a men's league and there's a seven year old on one of the teams, and I took a like a wrist shot, maybe going 20 miles an hour to like the ankle, and I was like, I was dead after that. I had to go off the ice. So I can imagine getting smoked in the collarbone by a slap shot. Oh, that sounds awful. Especially the top tier guys in the NHL, hundred miles per Dude, hour. Those would be rough. Oh, that would be tough. That is rough. Yeah, for sure. And then about a month ago, uh, with the locker room and stuff, we got a much needed facelift. A lot of the Ferris fans were able to follow that. Is there a difference now, like kind of when you're getting ready for games and practices, kind of having that kind of lighting with the red and kind of making it seem like it's more of like a like get you ready for the game a little bit, does it? Yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, it's my third year here, so it was nice to see like a little bit of change in the locker room. They did a really good job with it. Obviously, the red lights, kind of a nice little ad. Yeah. I don't know if we, we needed it, but honestly, it, it helps. We we turn the lights off in the locker room before games. We leave the red on. We get in the mindset. We do our pregame huddle and everything, so it's kind of nice to add to that. For sure. Yeah, and uh, you're from Odessa, uh, a little bit of ways away. Where did where did you get the, the idea of coming to Ferris, and what brought you to be a Bulldog? You know, I've kind of, <laughs> sorry, I've kind of jumped all around when I was growing up and especially went from high school and I bounced around in New England and then Alaska and then ended up in Odessa and it's, it's just kind of, the coach reached out to me and I I was needed at the time to come in and I was fortunate enough to get that opportunity to come here and I took my chance to come in here and I obviously love it here. I love the team, love everything about it. So Yeah, we're glad to have you. Is there a big difference that you've noticed with kind of the hockey cultures all over the country? Like, what's kind of the play, like, especially with like Texas and uh, for like the NHL that you played in, especially with Alaska? Like, is there any difference of kind of like like the work ethic or anything like that or kind of being around like the fans and stuff? Obviously, the fans are going to be different everywhere. When, when I was in Kenai, we had less fans than when I was in Odessa and then more fans when we come here. So it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of gradually gotten larger over the years, but the, the mentality of everyone's the same. You want to make it to the next level. You want to help your team out. You want to be the best that you can be. So it's kind of overall, it's kind of cumulative with everyone. But for sure, yeah. And uh, I noticed one thing when I was uh, reading over some of the roster things. Uh, speaking of lack of spectators in high school, I heard you ran cross country, which is kind of my forte. What yeah. was that experience like? Uh yeah. I I just kind of I wanted to get conditioned for the season, and when I was in boarding school we had to do three sports in the fall winter and spring and that was one of the ones in the fall so I kind of did cross country for a bit and then when winter came around I was nice in shape for that so it was, it was nice very cool I think people don't realize how underrated of a sport that is for conditioning wise hey I was cross country manager in high school so I kind of <laughs> I kind of forgot the same thing but before we start recording you mentioned how you were roommates with uh, Kowalski who runs the Ferris Hockey TikTok and when Harrison came on, we kind of asked him about that. Have you been on any videos yet, or are you kind of more shy away from being on camera? You know, I can't dance, so <laughs> any of those ones I will never be in. I am in a couple. I think it's in the beginning TikToks and everything, but it's kind of Kate and I, we talk about ideas. He obviously has more ideas than I do. I'll throw yeah. him some, and he'll be like, yeah, we can't do that. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun to see the guys get into it and get active. And, like, obviously, the not the crowd, but the fans and everything, they can comment, watch, and kind of just see like what we go through every day and just have fun with it. Yeah, and especially with the, the fan interaction, what have you guys experienced from the fans' perspective of them, Like uh, just like you mentioned, commenting on those things, sharing them, and even seeing them more at the games and mentioning that? What's that kind of been like to uplift your guys' spirits? It's fun. It's just a better interaction to have with everyone, and it's good to see smiles on everyone's faces and obviously puts a smile on your face too, so it's, it's kind of cool in that sense. For sure. And then, especially as we mentioned, being roommates with Cade, all the hockey team lives at a block of apartments at Oakwood. What's that kind of like? Uh, is there a difference with the guys that practice in it and at games and stuff like that than they are kind of when they're at home and kind of being around each other? Honestly, it's like we moved the locker room from the rink to Oakwood. It's just kind of <laughs> we're all hanging out together. We're always in each other's houses doing stuff together, watching TV. Whether you're just sitting there doing homework, not doing anything, there's always going to be a group of guys just sitting there doing stuff. So. That's awesome. Now, what's the most productive house? Which, oh. who's, who's yeah, which, one's the the, which one's the party house and which one's the, which one's the most productive one? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, would, I would say the, the cleanest one would be either 901 or 905. I'm a 901 because I, I got OCD and I always got to clean. <laughs> I, I just can't deal with it. I don't know. It's just party house. It just kind of would, I guess, rotate. Wherever, wherever if you, yeah. at, at the weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't say we have like a designated house for any of that. For sure. And uh, especially with, with that being on and stuff like that, we asked Brendan as well this question, kind of like 
pregame routines and superstitions and stuff. You mentioned OCD. That kind of goes into it as well. Do you have any superstitions or routines? Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, every game day, I have to – so we usually have like a – if it's a 7 o'clock game, we'll have a 540 meeting. I'll get to the rink at 5, and then I'll, I'll actually have my pregame nap from 3 to 4 and then get dressed from 4 to 440 and leave. And I do that every every time, whether it's home or away. And say we went on a Friday night, I have to wear the same thing the next day, whether that was to the rink in the morning, the same suit and everything, same tie. So I just kind of keep that consistent with how we're doing. Yeah. That's Creature a, habit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. But uh, final question here for you, Connor. Uh, we ask every athlete of this on the show, what has been your favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog? Wow. They, there's so many that I can choose from, but I would – I would just say, like, the the community that I'm a part of, I it doesn't get better than this. It's a small town. You know everybody, and you make friends all over. You can friends with other teams. It's not just your team. Friends with other students from your classes, and even the teachers here, you can be friends with them, obviously. I wouldn't say friends, but you, to, can, to you, extent, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you can be, like, close with them, and they'll help you out. And it's just it's a great place to succeed, and the community will help you do that. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much, Connor, for coming on. We really appreciate you taking yeah. time. Good luck this weekend against Michigan Tech. Hopefully you can block a couple shots, save the game for <laughs> us a couple times. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Big thanks to Connor for coming on to the show. Got a big weekend coming up for the hockey team. He's got a busy schedule that he's got to stay on top of. But we'll hop right into the Fair State Sports Report starting on the ice. Hockey's got Michigan Tech this weekend coming to Awa Glaben. It's going to be a big one. Red Out weekend. It's going to be a blast. Got so much stuff going on with events. But this is two very big games that they need to win, especially if they want to kind of move up in the seating a little bit for the CCHA playoffs. I don't think home ice is in the question anymore uh, for them when it comes to the postseason. But, you know, two wins against a, a very good team in Michigan Tech is going to be something that they're looking for, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at these two games as must-haves if you're talking home ice right now. I mean, trailing six points to Lake State and then Northern as well, we'd have to over to flip over top to get up there as well. So it's going to be it's going to be tough, but I mean, we've done it before and I know like everybody's saying, "Oh, yeah, we've heard this, we've heard this chat before." But I mean, in reality, like when you go back into a tournament, it's 0-0. It really doesn't matter what your record is. We've seen Cinderella's all the time, a lot March Madness. I know it's not relevant cuz it's a different sport, but in reality, it's the same thing. We've seen it across any sort of sport when the lights come on sometimes teams fall apart and i mean being at home ice is definitely going to be huge i mean going up to the Sioux, i think people kind of overshadow that it's such a hard place to play and i know we talked about that on the preview but these are these are these are going to be some fun games i mean i think i'm really hoping that we get the the environment um in a such such an energetic crowd and with That's everything going big, on, yeah. if that, we can get a big crowd going, that will make this team better. Because when we've played in those those nearly hostile and home environments, like especially when we talked about Michigan State, um, when we talked about some of the earlier games this year, I mean those were those were just huge, huge boosts for this team. So we need to, we really need that crowd base to help this team because I mean Michigan Tech's going to be no slouch. I mean they're coming in the year 15, 6 and 1 and I mean really they've been a they've just been they've just been a powerhouse, but this team is beatable, Joe. I very, mean we yeah, we just very. talked about last week, they lost to a team that they should have beat. Yeah, for sure. They lost to uh, Northern Michigan, which was tough. I mean, they're second in the CCHA right now, which is 15-6-1. and one. Uh, We're kind of the exact opposite, 8-14-0. So it's going to be a tough one, especially seeing that you know they don't really have a lot of weak points. You know, they're very strong all the way across the board. I mean, their defense is fast and technical. Their offense has really great hands and ability to put uh, the puck where they need to get it to. So, And they have a really good pen uh, penalty kill uh, system, too. So, you know, it's going to be a really tough ask, but I think if, you know, the, the stadium's rocking or the arena's rocking and the Bulldogs are out to play, I think we're going to be doing pretty good. I mean, when you look back before, yeah, the first game we played them at, uh, in the MAC was you know, 6-0 loss or like a 6-1 loss or something like that. So that wasn't the great thing to see uh 
But, you know, before we had a 6-4. So they're a team that can score a lot of goals, but, you know, they got well, – we just got to find the weak points. It's going to be tough, but I think if we can do that, then they're going to be doing some really good work. I mean, Marshall Moyes is starting to pick it up a little bit with the goal scoring, uh, so hopefully he'll be picking up a little bit. Uh, Justin mckillian has been pretty pretty solid. Our guy Brendan's been doing good on the backside with the defense. He's been kind of picking up some stuff. And, I mean, Connor, too, he's a – He's a guy who, you know, is gritty. He's blocking shots. He's going to really put his body on the line. So we got a lot of guys who, you know, are going to dig deep, and I think we're going to do pretty well this weekend. I mean, I want to tweet out a win against the Huskies. So we hopefully we go out and we show out. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Michigan Tech, uh, I'm especially like on the stat lines and a lot of the games that they've played, defensively, they're a stout team. They've only allowed 52 goals this year, which is the second highest in the CCHA, obviously trailing the top team, nearly one of the – I think they're ranked number two right now, the Minnesota yeah, State two Mavericks. Or th- two or three. Two or three, But yeah. they have the best defense. Like, they yeah. have the least goals allowed of, out of anybody. Yeah, yeah. The top defense in the country is the only team that they're trailing. So that's going to be kind of the how are we going to do to thread the needle to get shots on that is going to be the big part in this game. Because offensively, I mean, they're they're not necessarily the the biggest powerhouse as comparison to some other teams like northern michigan has had the same number of goals as they do and i yeah. mean we took them seven to six back uh and that was pretty much just a a shootout of a game a, a couple of months ago but i mean the fact is we go into this game with nothing to lose that's the biggest part of it right it's not like we're minnesota state we have a chance to clinch right now and you know who's also rooting for us the mavericks because if we can beat Min- or michigan tech they they're gonna be, yeah, the they're going to be outright CCHA champions for the regular season. Yes, and they would love to have that trophy to themselves, you know, because you don't want to take a jigsaw and just rip that trophy down the middle. Yeah, that's just no, lame. No you want it to yourself, but that's practically what is on the line. So there's really, I mean, obviously, do we want to help out the Mavericks? No, but we want to win and, and help ourselves out and get into a good playoff spot mm-hmm. because in reality, too, like based off where we are in the standings, I mean, be frank, Lake State, Northern, they went out and they, they over... They keep they stay over top of us in the seating. I mean, we're going to be looking at probably playing Michigan Tech again. So yeah. that's just the way that the seating's lining up for the CCHA tournament. Um, we'll let St. Thomas take care of Minnesota State. So the, the the biggest thing is really we're looking into this game really not necessarily as a trial run, but I mean you're going to see a lot of different things coming from this team because you know there's going to be changes if they were expecting to play them again in two weeks. Yeah, the way it's looking right now uh, with only two weeks left in the regular season, Minnesota State's on top. So if if playoffs started right now, they'd be playing St. Thomas. So it looks like that's going to be a lock for those two. I don't think St. Thomas has a chance to overtake us. Um, We're going to be playing Michigan Tech if, you know, season ended now. Bemidji's going to be taking on Northern and then Bowling Green and Lake State are going to be playing each other. They could easily flip because... Their records are really, really similar. I think our Bowling Green's 11 and 10, and Lake Superior's 10 and 12. So with four games left, easily flippable. But I think those two will be playing each other most likely. But we'll see who's going to be playing this week, anyways. Uh, so excuse me. Uh, we have Bowling Green taking on Lake State, so that's going to be a big one for them. Or sorry, I've read the wrong weekend. I apologize. That's on me. Uh, sorry, Bowling Green's going to be taking on Northern Michigan in Bowling Green this weekend, so that one's going to be big. Northern's going to try to get a couple wins so they can overtake Lake State. Uh, we're obviously going to be taking on Michigan Tech. Bemidji and Minnesota are going to be having the Minnesota Miracle matchup uh, against them in Mankato, and then Lake State is going to be taking on St. Thomas, so they're Looking to get two wins, and Lake State's trying, or sorry, St. Thomas is trying to get a couple, so that way they can, you know, maybe move up a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be able to overtake us at all, but we'll see. Yeah, but I mean, the biggest game, the first one that you mentioned, Bowling Green, Northern Michigan, right? Bowling Green beats two on Northern, and if we even got a, just a split with Mich- a tough Michigan Tech team, I mean, boom! Like, we look o- where yeah, we, we are. We're tied. It. It's that's that's where we are, and that could be the difference of playing. Michigan Tech, or Bemidji, who we've beaten twice on yeah. the road already. True. Big time weekend. And then we got Northern coming up, which we can definitely beat that team. So start the momentum. Start it up. We need yeah, everybody there. Wear red. Let's get our dogs and help them get two wins with our energy. Red out, baby. Red out. It. Big time. Right now, baby. Uh, anyway, moving on over now into basketball. We got our Bulldogs in action this weekend, traveling across the pond for a nice doubleheader. The first matchup, um, they will be taking on Parkside um, over in Kenosha this evening on Thursday. That's February 17th, uh, 6.30, 8.30 tip-off times. Uh, looking for two. 
And I, I think really coming off of the, the big wins at Northwood, um, especially the second half efforts were really huge. Keeping that momentum rolling mm-hmm. over this weekend, get get two games, and then let's come back and let's let's really rock out Wink and finish off this season strong. Yeah, for sure. I think these two games are going to be, uh, I want to say like two crazy tests, but just, you know, late season on the road is always tough uh, when you go to opposing gyms. And I mean, Wisconsin Parkside and Purdue Northwest are near the bottom of the table. Wisconsin Parkside, I think, is maybe ninth, I think, in the GLIAC. I can do a quick double check. Uh, they are, yeah, I think ninth uh, at 8-8, eight and eight, and then Purdue Northwest is second to last at 3-14. and 14. But, you know, anything can happen, really. I mean, especially late season. It's almost near in March, so you kind of got those jitters a little bit, kind of getting some. If we're able to win these two, we secure another 20-win season for us, uh, which is incredible for uh, Coach Bronco's. Or if we just win one this weekend, we'll secure a 20-win season, which is an incredible repertoire and uh, resume for uh, Coach Bronco and his uh, – program that he's been able to build here uh but i mean i'm excited to see these two games uh you know i think these are two bounce back games for walt uh so he can kind of get back into his scoring groove a little bit as well as you know development for some of our bench players a little bit more and i think we're going to do pretty solid especially with returning back home we have michigan tech and northern michigan and if you remember northern michigan last year they upset or two years ago they upset us at the gliac tournament at home first round when we are number one seed. So that was rough. And then Michigan Tech is right behind us. So if we're able to win these two weekends and beat Michigan Tech, we are outright GLIAC champions. So pretty big stakes coming uh, for this last two weekends of GLIAC play. But I think our guys can step up and step up and take it. Bad memories of North Northern. But yeah, absolutely. Don't overlook these games, right? Especially on the road. Um, we haven't had the recent success on the road. And I know Coach Bronco has said that. Uh, the team hasn't came out with enough energy as what they're capable of. And, I mean, we know what this team can do when they're capable of. I mean, we've seen already huge performances, dominant performances, and even going back to the first time we played these two teams, if you can remember all the way back in early December when we had the massive crazy weekend here on campus where we had 22 athletic events in the span of 72 hours. We had uh, these games played. Epic Rapids High School. That's how long ago that we placed these two teams. So anything can happen time now between then. So you don't we don't know necessarily what we're we obviously have the scouting reports, but what we've seen now might be a lot different than what we saw on December second, December fourth from for these sure. two teams. A lot of a lot of development for really good teams. But the thing is that we gotta look at is the top three teams on the men's side of the basketball stands for the GLIAC are within about three games of each other, three, four games. I mean, Saginaw Valley is 11-5, and five, uh, Michigan Tech is 13-3, and three, and then we top it at 14-2. and two, But, you know, it could really shake it up if Saginaw Valley wins out the season. Michigan Tech maybe loses one or two, and, I mean, hopefully not. We maybe lose one. Uh, it could really shake up a little bit. And, you know, the GLIAC is really anybody's at this point for these top three teams. And, you know, it's going to be a really tough weekend for us to, you know, work it out. But I think we'll be able to really – Shock, I want to say shock the world because we're expected to you know, play good, but I think we'll be able to do really well against a very tough uh, Michigan Tech team coming up in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for what I'm seeing um, a lot from this team is being able to take care of the basketball and being able to move the basketball. And looking back at a lot of all these games back that we've played so far, there's only been one game that we've lost when we've had over 20 assists, and that was against the top five team in the country in Minnesota, Duluth at the time. I believe now they're ranked around eight or nine. But still, that team was tough, and that team was – it was an excellent ball game. I mean, 109-107 and two OTs, all you have to say about that game. So being able to find open guys – because we can shoot the rock. There's no question oh, yeah, about sure. There's no question about that. We guys that can we have guys that can fill it up. I mean, we've got, I believe, three guys that, can, that are shooting over the 45% mark right now from three in Lee Higgins, Dorian Louie. Uh, Ben Davidson as well uh, with at least, I believe, two shot attempts per game. But that's that's a huge, huge boost when you're able to knock those shots down. But what happens when they don't fall, right? That's what we've seen the last couple of games where we haven't shot the basketball as well as we normally have. Uh, Northwood was definitely a boost, but on the road, the, the last two games we shot 41 and 42% at Davenport and Lake State and just over and under 30% from three. What happens when the chips are down and not going to make shots? That's what we're going to see from this team. Make sure you take care of the basketball, find the open looks, get out in transition, and do what these guys do best. And then we're going to be in good shape. Because these ones are two that we can't overlook, but we have to know 
just got to get two and play your best, and you can move on with two wins. Mm-hmm. And some teams who are going to be looking to get some more wins this upcoming weekend. Uh, it's going to be we're starting off with a banger uh, tonight uh, at seven thirty. Saginaw is making the trip up to the UP for their UP weekend. They're going to be taking on Michigan Tech. So two teams that are really looking to shake up the standings and shake each other up with their records. And then Wayne State is also making the trip up to the UP. They're going to be taking on Northern Michigan tonight. So Northern Michigan is going to try to get a little bit better standing for this Gleeck tournament coming up. Uh, Purdue Northwest is going to be playing host to Lake Superior State. Grand Valley is traveling to Davenport for a rescheduled game. And then Ferris State, obviously, we're going on to Parkside tonight. And then Saturday, uh, Wayne State is going to be traveling or going to make the trip to Houghton to Michigan Tech. And then Northwest is going to be playing Grand Valley State. Saginaw Valley is going to take on Northern Michigan. We're going to be taking on Purdue Northwest. I can't even say Purdue Northwest the right way. And then Parkside is going to be playing host again to Lake Superior State. So that's going to be a good one. A lot of good weekend of uh, men's basketball in the GLIAC. But if we want to talk about women's, we can go for it. Yeah, women's that are going to be playing the same two opponents just two hours earlier for each start time. And for them, I mean, really riding the, the momentum train, four out of five, right? And it's, they've been good wins, too. I mean, beating a tough Wayne State team on the road, um, beating Lake State on the road definitely can prove confidence going into these games. And, I mean, they played they played fantastic um, at Northwood. I mean, they, the biggest thing that I've, I've really seen from this team now gradually over the last, call it like, last couple weeks of games is we're starting to not be afraid to shoot the basketball. And we have really been a good shooting team as of late compared to what we started with on the season because I mean we started off pretty hot at the beginning of the year then it kind of calmed down a little bit and I mean I think Wayne State was definitely one of those games that kind of kind of really shook it up a little bit as far as percentage is concerned but I mean ever since then we've really been able to get back on track a whole lot of games over 45 from three that's huge but the inside presence has been great as well Chloe Adoni and Maya Hiram are putting great minutes together and really being able to see the offense move so fluently has been a huge boost for this team. Coach Westdorf's done a great job, and really it's going to have to flow over into this weekend. I mean, Parkside and Purdue are, are pretty solid teams on the women's side. Obviously, when you look at the favorite on, in there, we're going to be the favorite in both, obviously. That's nothing to sleaze at because obviously we've seen upsets happen before, but being able to play our best, being able to get the sets moving, keep the ball moving, and being able to knock down shots will be will be huge for us this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And kind of looking at the national polls so far, Grand Valley is moving all the way up to four in the nation right now. So they're going to be looking to Yikes. finish out the season strong and you know get a really good spot for that GLIAC tournament as well as trying to finish strong for the March Madness for D2. And then Saginaw Valley State as well has kind of been making a push for uh, the top 25 as well. So we're going to be seeing some really good games this upcoming weekend for men's and women's basketball. I'm pretty excited for it, uh, You know, being able to work it uh, – or sorry, working last or what was it Thursday or Monday or whatever when we saw that North uh, that Northwood game was a really good one. Yeah, we see some Monday. good plays. So, gonna be trying to carry that over into some two very good teams. Yeah, it's gonna be big, and I think both for um, the men's and women's teams going in this weekend. I mean, obviously, we're the favorites. We're going into the games that we should win too. Don't overlook them, but make just know. Play our game and we're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, for, on both sides, the inside-out presence has improved on both teams, and you being able to use that to our advantage will be will be huge this weekend because there's favorites in that matchup um, down low as well. Seeing Logan mm-hmm. Ryan, seeing Clyde Doni get good points, and being able to establish that inside presence, and then when we're able to really get teams to bite in, kick out, light it up, that's what makes our team best, and that'll be huge. Yeah, for sure. I think when uh, our players kind of do what they're expected of uh, this weekend, we're going to be doing pretty well. I mean, if Mallory McCartney can open up the floor a little bit, get hot from three, she's going to be doing pretty solid. Keenan Blanchard, too, if she starts lining it up a little bit, like we said last episode, she had a little bit of a slow start in the game against Northwood, but fourth quarter she picked it up really well. So I think when we see that, we're going to be looking for a very good game. And, uh, you know, if we're able to, like I said, do what's expected, I think we're going to go and get two wins and get ready for a next hard week. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, tonight will be both matchups for Parkside. Men's start at 8.30, women's beginning earlier at 6.30. And then Saturday, it will be at, I believe, 2, two and four. o'clock and 4 o'clock. Thank you, Joe, um, for those matchups. But those are the basketball matchups. I believe you'll be able to listen online, Sunday 97.3. 
um, mm-hmm. if you want to hear on the action. Rob Bentley, Sandy Golson on the call. Should be fun. But anyway, moving on over, a packed weekend of sports as well. Friday, my dogs, the track and field squad, will be going to Saginaw Valley for the yes, tune-up sir. meet. Yes, be, sir. I'm really looking forward to this meet. A uh, couple reasons. Uh, one, coming off of uh, a race that I was, I was, I was happy with, but obviously, like, I ran nowhere near the time that I'm capable of, and I'm totally okay with that just because I want to get back in the swing of things. This sure. is a this is a great meet to really get out there and see what you can do. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of competitors that are going to be switching events. That's totally normal. Like I'll be I'm primarily in more of the distance caliber races. I'll be running the mile this weekend. It, it's just a little bit of that that little quick twitch that you get um, for tune up, being able to turn it over a little bit going into getting as fast as possible for the indoor championships that will be coming up next weekend. But it'll be at Friday, Saginaw Valley. Uh, starts, I believe, around 2 o'clock might be for field events. Running events start at about 4 o'clock. So uh, that'll be that'll be fun to see. And, I mean, there's not going to be a, too many, I wouldn't want to say, like, too many tough teams there. But there, there's, qu- there's quite a few reputable um, teams that we'll be running against. But they're not going to be the same caliber as Big Meat, which really sure. kind of gives that that feel of you know i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna i'm gonna let i'm gonna really try this i'm gonna i'm gonna go for something different i'm gonna try a different style and that, that's really what tune-up is for right being able to see what you're doing really well trying to fix on the things that you might have been struggling with and hint hint tune that up going <laughs> into the Gleak championship so gonna be sure. a fun one that's gonna be on friday live i believe live stream will be might be available through Saginaw. I don't know. They're kind of more spotty about that than Grand Valley is. But live events will be online. If you want to follow my times and my teammates, because we will be running fast this weekend, book it. Yes, sir. Book it. Run fast this weekend, Brandon. I'm going to try. That's the goal. I, I do like Saginaw's track just a little bit better. And it's yeah. shorter turns, longer straights. That's, is it like a, that's what I like a little bit more. Is it soft? Like how, is, are the track things like hard? I know like it's not like super soft or anything, but like... Aren't like the nice tracks like a little bit softer or whatever? Yeah, there's some that are, are made out of different, um, like slightly different material. Um, that's more, primarily more for outdoor just because um, like indoor, it's pretty hard to kind of to, to mix the material for, yeah. you know, having to be inside and everything and mm-hmm. taking care of that for maintenance wise. But uh, outdoor, it definitely gets different. Like our track here um, at Ferris is a lot different than Hillsdale's track. Everybody knows it as the Mondo track because it's just faster. I don't know what it is about it. The little bit of material, it makes it a little more springy. Everybody runs faster there, but uh, it I mean, it should be fun. I mean, I, I really don't pay attention to it as much as some other people do uh, just because, you know, I don't like thinking about it too much because, you know, I, 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 I tend, to think, tend to let things get to my head a little bit yeah. too fast, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's just the competitor in your brain. That's how I know you. I mean, you just kind of not overthink things, but you think of everything. I think of the, everything. That that's is the correct. one thing. Don't like, overthink, but I think of everything. I that like is true. You prepare for everything. That's uh, that's what makes you a good athlete. That's what makes you a good guy. Heart emoji. Heart. We're having a real heart real to heart. moment. Real heart real to moment. heart High moment. High five it out. Yeah. Stay tuned for heart to heart coming up for in sure. a while. So. That'll be fun. Shameless plug for like two, two <laughs> months from now. Shameless plug. Put it in the calendar. Write it in with your Sharpie or your pen. Whatever. Yeah, put it on your reminders. Reminder on your phone that it's going to be fun. You just have to wait and see about that. But a first coming up this weekend for the season, softball will be going down Hello. to, uh, I believe the town is called Smyrna, Tennessee. I If mm. I butcher that, I apologize to the people in the, of Tennessee, <laughs> but it's the Music City Invite, and they're going to the state of Tennessee. They left at 5 a.m. this morning. Yeah, Jeez. 5 a.m. Let her sleep on the charter bus, but they're going to have a full slate of games this weekend starting on Saturday. Jeez, take- they got like nine games or six games. Yeah, or actually, no, tomorrow. They'll be actually playing tomorrow first um, with Lindenwood. Um, they will be playing tomorrow at 1, and then at 3 o'clock they'll take on Indianapolis. And then Saturday they'll be playing uh, Rockhurst, the team that we played in volleyball a while ago. And they'll also be playing McKendry, as well as Sunday, Southern Indiana, and Mi- Missouri S&T. That's Dude, a mouthful. What that a, what is a, a mouthful. What a mouthful, but, but six that's games, a good one. Yeah, six games uh, coming in. Really, just how just getting back into softball groove, and that's I, I. There's not really much analysis you can do when we're talking about softball in February because it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be different. I mean, the preseason the preseason polls came out. I mean, we are last, which is unfortunate. Keep sleeping, but like keep sleeping on us. Like keep that's sleeping. just what's gonna happen. Last year, I will say this: like 
are we from the games I saw? I only saw like three games, so take my take my take as much as you want because I don't think I'm like the most qualified to make this, but I'm gonna make it anyways. What I noticed is our defense is very like we're good, but we're we give up a lot of like uh, rallies. I think like there's times where uh, like the opposing team will get like maybe three or four on base, like score a run or two, and then we'll have two outs and a chance to put it away, but it'll just be a little simple mistake that'll kind of. Pro, uh, elongate that that inning a little bit, and you know they might score one or two. So a game that you know we end it like eight to one or eight to two or something like that, or a four or five run deficit or whatever. When the game ends, you know we could have made it maybe one, and it would have been a whole different story. So that's the one thing that I'm pretty excited for them to see is you know the defensive improvement this year as well as the offensive improvement. I think we'll be able to see a lot now that we're going to be working for athletics. Maybe we'll see a little bit more games as well. We might have to work some. So I'm pretty excited for this season coming around. Softball always means that the weather's getting nicer. I mean, I love to watch softball and baseball. Uh, those are my... Or I love baseball, so obviously softball is kind of right there with it. So I'm pretty excited to see how the team's going to do this weekend as well as kind of getting ready for preseason and when the GLIAC play starts. Yeah, I mean, we've got so many we've got so many um, young players coming on this team, so it's going to be really see how or really fun to see how they uh, start out. Uh, I mean, especially in these games where you're going to be looking at everybody getting playing time in these type of tournaments to see what you got. So there's going to be a lot a lot of uh, in and out as far as um, getting – um, um, fresh players in for each game and each tournament because I mean everybody that's played a, a long baseball or softball tournament knows it can be a grueling long set of games so um, but you always have the depth to be able to um, put new players in the lineup and being able to see what they do especially um, the young players just to see uh, how they can fit on this team so it's going to be really fun to see a mm-hmm. lot of quality opponents as well um, that are especially in the division two level and it should be really interesting. I'll be interested to see how they play this weekend and then see how they do uh, at Lewis when they go play that, that indoor tournament that they always do yeah. every year. I, I don't know. Indoor tournaments are kind of cool. Like I played one in high school. Now it's like the ball flies a lot differently. It does. When there's no wind affecting it. But uh, if you want to see some or want to see what the GLIAC uh, preseason coach poll is looking like, Grand Valley State is at the top. Uh, that's kind of commonplace for them. And then Northwood is following them. Saginaw Valley is third. Davenport is fourth. Wayne State is fifth. Purdue Northwest is 6th, Parkside is 7th, and then we round out the bottom. But like we said, keep sleeping on us. It can change. There can be rallies. There can be upsets. There can be a whole lot of stuff. So very excited for this 2022 softball season. Yeah, they're, they're putting us low because we're a young team and we didn't play our best last year. That's that's yeah. really all it is. So that's fine. You can be surprised when we, we win some games and beat some sure. teams we shouldn't. And there you go. That's all that you have to say about them. But <laughs> final rounding out the sports report, tennis will be in action at home this weekend, starting tomorrow, Friday at noon. We're well, going to be there, baby. We will be. Well, you will be there. I'll be there. I'm covering it I'll for the torch. I'm covering men's for the torch. Brandon's covering women's for the torch. Yeah, so I will be there on Sunday. It's my first one I'm going to be at. It's I've never been there too. before. I'm so excited. Well, I've been there. I've been at the racket center to get my refund so that way I could not have to pay to have a membership <laughs> at the racket center. <laughs> Just saying, that's how it is. But uh, I didn't do it this year because I was just like, you know, I'm going to try to get to the racket center a couple of times. And hey, I'm Go watching. A, I'm watching a tennis match. I have never watched a tennis match like on TV or anything, so I'm pretty excited. Not even on TV. Nope, I played the Wii tennis plenty of times. Oh, yeah, that's but a fun we'll see one. where it goes. I mean, I'm going to try to get there. I don't know how long these last because we have to obviously be there for uh, red out or whatever Friday to set up. But, like, I'm going to try to get there a good amount, try to get a few interviews in there, get some quotes, get some good stuff. So we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, a little teaser coming up for the the Torchies that follow this podcast as well. Uh, yeah, it should be fun. I, I have not been to a Ferris tennis match. Uh, I've been to a couple other matches, and obviously I've watched, like, Wimbledon and the big ones before the Australian Open, et cetera. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited just to see what this team is because, I mean, the veteran the veteran presence of both squads is really going to really show through, I think, this year. There's a lot of great things that this team has done um, in years past, and there's really... Uh, really, like we're bringing a lot of a, a lot of new uh, faces in, but we still got the veteran presence, and we still got Coach Doran being able to establish his program that he's done a great job with. So everything's looking up. I think people just need to go out and see how good this tennis team really is because we talk about them a lot, but I don't feel like a lot of people go out and watch just because they don't know what to expect from tennis. You know what I mean? It's just a different sport, and it's not one of it's not one of like the Power Five that you see on TV: football, yeah. basketball, hockey, baseball, soccer. You know. It's just it's just kind of a shame because they're playing some quality quality yeah. tennis and just not everybody knows about it. That's the one thing is like 
to be honest, I didn't even know that Ferris had a tennis team until like my senior year of high school. When I went to a Ferris football game, like they hit like tennis balls, like where if you call one, you got a free pop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ferris had a tennis team? Like I had no idea. And then like going uh, or like going over to the racket center, it's like a pretty, it's honestly a pretty cool space. I mean, it looks really cool, but I'm excited to go to my first game. Yeah, I've had, I've played some tennis before, uh, but uh, when I was on spring break in Florida, me and my me and my buddy that went down, we ended up playing some, and it's definitely kind of a fun sport to get into. It's definitely a hard sport to perfect because I mean anything you can do can be slightly better can be slightly yeah. faster more efficient so Man, i'm good at ping pong but like that's it like ping pong and pickleball i've played a lot but i've never played tennis before mm-hmm. yeah i have not got i have played ping pong i have played tennis i've not played pickleball though that's one that that's pickleball got is fun i have to play some pickleball but i it's apparently it's a it's a pretty quality sport from what i've heard some of the football coaches play in the spring really so yeah they go out on the the, the area kind of like it's i think it's would be south of the the south end zone on like that area that's like cemented oh, that hard, yeah and they set up a net and you have some lines up and they play some pickleball oh. you know in between, in between spring practices and stuff pretty cool what a fun time so yeah it's pretty fun i heard uh coach Anise is pretty good he's pretty intense at it too i bet he probably so, is too. <laughs> yeah but it's got to be a blast so i'll have to try pickleball out maybe i might have to ask that in a in a you know a preseason whatever be like hey you got the pickleball net out yet pickleball out yet you know We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I feel like it'll be funny. We'll see it. But anyway, that's the Ferris State Sports Report. When we come back, NBA trade deadline grades and the Olympics. What's happening with the USA? Stay tuned. When Brandon and I first started our podcast, we didn't know really what to do. Bulldog Radio helped us out, but the one big thing that really made us really go to the next level was Anchor.fm. If you want to start your own podcast, go through Anchor.fm. They make it so easy. They make it a one-stop shop for you to record, edit, and publish your podcast. And not only that, they publish it to a whole bunch of different platforms for you to go on. I mean, we've talked about it. You got CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. So if you guys want to start your own podcast, go on Anchor.fm. You can make your own account, start editing, start recording, and start publishing your podcast today. And we're going to be coming back from our little break that we always take in the middle of the show. Brandon, NBA trade deadline has now finished. A lot of moves have been made. Some of them great, some of them not so great. Some teams really won the trade deadline. Some teams really lost the trade deadline. I know I was kind of following Detroit a little bit with the Marvin Bagley trade and stuff like that. But were there any that kind of caught your mind a little bit? Yeah, obviously um, Detroit fans, the Marvin Bagley trade was one that um, I know personally I saw coming from a mile away. I know I wasn't the only one in that in that ballpark of idea just because it made sense and everything forward. And I mean, especially the fact of we were really looking to hypothetically move off of Jeremy Grant, but but we've heard from Troy Weaver that was not the case. But I think there was a, a quite a few teams that I think really did some um, some good moves over the trade deadline. Uh, I think there was um, some definite intrigue of the Brooklyn-Philadelphia deal. Uh, obviously, was the one that everybody's talking about, that James Harden ends up in Philadelphia in exchange for Ben Simmons and a couple other players and picks as well. Paul Millsap's added to that deal. But I think the... I think one team that I think really did, I think really was interesting was well that people probably aren't talking about was, I think was Hornets adding Montrezl Harrell because I think that's really a great move for them because when you when you really look at this this Charlotte Hornets team, obviously you got LaMelo Ball, right? You got a young stud in the backcourt that's going to be there for a long time. And you got a lot of other great pieces. Terry Rozier has played above his expectations uh, this season as far as what they were expecting him off of that deal. Uh, and then they got James Boonette coming off the bench. Uh, they obviously have Miles Bridges. Gordon Hayward will be back into full strength soon. Um, they have Mason Plumley as well. That can be a formidable center. They have P.J. Washington to throw mm-hmm. in there as well. And then you bring in a guy like Montrez Harrell that can... What you what you saw a lot of you see a lot of athleticism, especially with Miles Bridges, uh, especially flexibility wise. You have with Terry Rozier, you have Mason Plumlee, and then you have Kelly Oubre also as all well coming off the bench as well that you can throw in there. And then you bring in the toughness of Montres Harrell, and that I think is really going to help them, especially in the rebounding category. And I mean, they're a team that's not they're not looking too far out of the the NBA standings right now for where they're sitting at here coming into the All-Star break happening this weekend, which should be really fun. They're sitting right now, I believe, ninth. 
which I believe is only two and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets. So that's not that's not terrible either. And you got teams that there's a lot of question marks behind. The Raptors start off the season well. Are they going to be able to keep it up? Are the Boston Celtics going to stay hot? And are obviously what's the situation going to be like? Um, in Philadelphia with how this whole James Harden deal goes. Yeah. So obviously they're going to be a better team. I think that Philadelphia, I think ultimately, I think it was a, a it was a weird move because superstar for superstar is fun, but it just kind of seemed like James really had the upper hand in this whole thing. And I don't think it was on, I think it was on purpose of the fact of he, he, he really wasn't ready for what he signed up for when he came to Brooklyn. I don't yeah. think he is obviously Kyrie's vaccination status, only yeah, playing and playing road games. KD's been in and out of the injury room for a while now. So he was kind of out there by himself, and he's like, I don't really want to do that. I need somebody that can be reliable. And just the whole idea of the mixing lineups left and right wasn't making him happy, and I mean, frankly, like there's been, that's happened a lot with James Harden. I'm not necessarily going to be saying like he's crybaby or anything, but Houston, now Brooklyn, yeah, it, it's it not happens been all the over same. The place. So yeah. it's just it's really been. A, I mean, it's not been the same teams as mine, but it's the, been really the same story when it comes to yeah. James Harden being traded. But I think this is what Philadelphia really wanted. Uh, they wanted a big star superstar. I think they did give up a lot though. Uh, giving up Ben Simmons and the picks as well. And then you give them Seth Curry, who's going to fill in perfectly for Joe Harris, who they've been desperately missing shooting the basketball. For sure. So I think that overall, I think both teams are happy with the trade. Uh, I think that I think Philadelphia and Ben Simmons definitely realized that they needed to give up more than they wanted, or they needed to give up more than I think they wanted to and not get as much in return. And I think that was the move that pretty much they had to make or they weren't going to make anything for all for what they are asking earlier. Yeah, for sure. And I think, in my opinion, I mean, the Nets won this trade. I mean, especially with getting, or I'm going to say getting rid of, but trading away James Harden. Like you said, he's kind of, I wouldn't say problematic, but he's definitely a guy who I think when you see that he spent, you know, some time with the Rockets and it didn't really go well, he kind of left that. And I think it's when, like, he doesn't get his... Whenever it, like it doesn't get his way, he kind of just like jumps ships a little bit. And what could have been with you know KD and Ka- Kyrie and James Harden if like all that kind of worked out, it didn't. So they kind of gave that away. But I mean Nets with Seth, like like you mentioned, Seth Curry is going to fit in perfectly. I think he's such an underrated player. I mean he's already been able to really provide for them and be really well. I mean Ben Simmons, obviously you know he's a he's a drive guy. He's a get layups. He's a point guard in that sense. And Andre Drummond, I mean honestly he hasn't really been super great in my opinion. However. Once we'll see how the Nets kind of get him, and then obviously those two first round picks, so that's going to be good uh, for them. And those were those were two that like, or when that happened, I was like, I didn't even know that was going to happen because I thought that was kind of under the radar. But I guess that was like a big, or that's a big deal. But like that was kind of more talked about than I actually thought. Yeah, I like I like them adding Drummond as far as the toughness down low because I think with, uh, I mean obviously what they have right now, uh, I mean. Really, I think you're honestly looking at uh, Nick Claxton as really kind of the guy that's going down to be the the primary guy down the stretch. I feel like mm-hmm. with this team, I mean, yeah, that I mean, you, I mean, you do have guys like I, 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 I have a tough time putting Lamarcus Aldridge as like the primary center and not a straw or a stretch four in that spot. I know he doesn't have the athleticism, but his skill set is so much better at the stretch four spot when you can take him outside of the paint and let him hit for mid-range because that's really what he's made his career on at a high level, but he's still a good inside player. But bringing in Drummond, I think, is really the biggest thing is you're getting more shots for KD. You're getting more shots for Seth Curry now. You're getting more shots for Kyrie in the road games. That's what you're bringing Andre Drummond for. Get some rebounds off the bench, being able to get more possessions, get more shot attempts for some of the best shooters in the game right now. So I think they, they definitely got a lot out of this trade. I think Philadelphia settled a little bit much, but I will say that I think that the fan base would be pretty happy if they'll give it up that much. Yeah, for sure. And there's a couple other two that I uh, have been kind of looking over, uh, you know, the big four-team trade uh, between the Bucks, Clippers, Kings, and Detroit. I know we talked about Marvin Bagley a little bit, but, like, that whole thing is just a cluster of, like, who gets what. And, you know, those ones are always interesting because, like, I don't know, like, what goes into, like, the the process of that and, like, what goes into, like, the coaches and the organizations seeing, like, who's going to go where. But, honestly, I think the I think the Bucks, uh really won that trade, and I think the Kings are going to do 
do pretty solid. I mean, they're getting Dante DiVincenzo, who's a guy who, I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you remember what he did in the national championship. He's a guy who's really good or can do stuff off the bench. Uh, you know, obviously we got Marvin Bagley, which I think is a great trade. I mean, but Serge Ibaka going to the Bucks, he's a he's a veteran guy who knows what it takes to have some success and to be on a team who. Uh, you know he's a good role player that can fit in there, and I think when you have Giannis already and you have those guys, I think he's going to set in uh, in that team really good. I think Clippers kind of lost this one, uh, to be honest. Uh, they kind of got the short end of the stick out of this trade, but you know we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, when they were they were expected to possibly load up for a run. I mean, especially without PG and Kawhi, it was kind of surprising. But now I think they they settled into reality. Like. Yeah, this might be a little bit out of the question without those two. So, But, I mean, yeah, they didn't get a whole lot out of this. I mean, obviously, they move on from Serge Ibaka, which I think, yeah, was a, I think that was a win for the Bucks. I mean, yeah, you could make slight questions about his contract, but I think in reality, you look at what this team has. I mean, you got a lot of veteran presence around. Like, they added Wesley Matthews from L.A., and they also had DeAndre Bembry from the Nets as well over the deadline. So they have a lot of good pieces that they can put in there, and they're just applying depth. They know what this team can do, right? They had they have George Hill. They have Connaughton come up. They got Giannis. They got Drew Holiday. They got Chris Middleton. They got Bobby Portis. They got all these players that you know you can make it there because they've made it there already. Now it's let's make sure that we have the depth in case inevitably something might happen, right? So you add Serge Ibaka, veteran presence, that can honestly come in and help give Giannis a little bit extra rest or come in and maybe man down the five spot when Brooks, Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis needs a, or needs a breather. Just keeping guys fresh and keeping them keeping them healthy throughout the rest of the season will be mm-hmm. huge come playoff time. So, I mean, I, I, would really, I really liked what Milwaukee did there. Uh, I think the Raptors definitely, um, they, adding Thaddeus Young was kind of like the, yeah, it's okay. The second rounder is what they wanted, which is honestly okay because Troy Weaver and his second round picks haven't been as great as we'd want them to. So, hey, maybe let's just get a player instead of a second round pick. Let's try that route. I'm all for it, trying a different route like that. The biggest one that I honestly saw um, this over this trade deadline was uh, the big. Uh, I wouldn't call it a blockbuster. I would call it definitely a a low. The one of the probably the most loaded trade um, overall. I mean, I believe it was. Uh, what six different six different players in in the move between Indiana and Sacramento? I mean, they the Kings had just gotten Dante Divincenzo, Trey Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. Uh, I mean, kudos to what Trey Lyles was doing for the Pistons before he left. It was kind of sad to see him go, but we knew that they, they wanted Bagley. They, yeah. they 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 really did, and they're they'll they'll be okay to live with that. So the, I think the Kings definitely. Ha- I mean, adding Divincenzo and Trey Lyles definitely helps. And, but the move that I mean they made earlier, I think really was, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily loved what the Kings did in that scenario. Even though I mean it was probably a pretty good trade. So the move I believe, if I remember the the details correctly, was that they had, uh, they they gave up Halliburton. Um, let's see, they gave up Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. And gave them to Indiana for DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday. Mm-hmm. I love DeMontis Sabonis. He's a fantastic player. Fantastic. And I know that Indiana, they're in the rebuild mode. But they won the rebuild mode out of that. They got, I mean, they have Tristan Thompson, who's going to be a stopgap for Miles Turner. They they know they're going to keep him now. You had Buddy Heald, who's a good shooter. And you have Halliburton to pair him with. Now you're looking at making a move in the draft to get a, a lot of these good stretch wings that are, are really looking up on the draft boards right now. I think that they overall won that trade as far as for preparing for the future. I think the, I mean, with the, the Kings getting Sabonis, um, they get Justin Holiday to pair with De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. I think you look at where they're at and you're kind of wondering, where are they going? That's what that's the biggest thing for me. You have all these guys. You have a two time all star and Aaron Fox. How are you going to get from mediocrity to getting up into high postseason play? Is this the move? That's where I'm I don't know. Like they get Sabonis. Lamb and Holiday to me are only more depth pieces. I mean, obviously they're probably gonna play in more, but you know, you just they have never went all in. That's the biggest thing I've wanted. Is if you're gonna make a move to get move off of guys like Halbert and Buddy Hield, you go big. But they did. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, I think when you when you do that, it's not going to really work out too well. But I mean, the the trade deadline is always interesting to me because there's teams who don't do anything, and there's teams who just do a lot, and it's always interesting to see like why they would do that. Because like as a fan standpoint, there's a lot of times where like you look at like a like a GM and you wonder like why they do the things that they do because there's things that like players like are like that like the fans do or like they post on like Twitter or whatever, and it's like man that'd be a really good idea. Why don't they go do that? And then it's just like there's a lot of things that. You think you can do better, but I mean, behind the scenes, obviously, it's a whole different thing, and we don't know all the ins and outs of the NBA trade deadlines and stuff like that, and like the rumors and all that. So, I mean, that's the one thing that I love about the that I love about trade deadlines in any sport is just you don't know what's going to happen. Some teams could go crazy with it. Some teams could, you know, stay a little bit more conservative with it. And it's always cool to see what's going to happen, uh, kind of in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think the the overall, I think the the overall for me the winner of probably the trade deadline is the NBA fans. I think it's honestly what who won the trade deadline because obviously the the speculation and everything that came around I think was what everybody wanted. We wanted to see blockbuster moves. There is one team that I know doubtably will bat for being the loser is 100% Portland. Portland's oh, yeah. deal was awful and I know you I know I know it's it's the move that you probably were going to have to make, but what they got in return, not good enough. You have Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, both great players, but you also have Norman Powell. You also have... There's just so much in Portland from the guard position, and then you have Thomas Sitaransky there too, and then you add Silva. You have four shooting guards, technically. Some of them you'll flex out to be a wing. For what that roster is, it doesn't fit that well. They got the first-round pick, which is good. But, I mean, it's protected, too. So, you don't know where that's going to be placed. And you give up McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. to give pretty much New Orleans uh, a head start for when when they get back. They're going to have Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, and inevitably, whenever he returns from injury, Zion Williamson. That, That looking pretty good for a rebuild in New Orleans. I will say that. Yeah, for sure. So I think that was the overall loser, but I mean, hey, it was a fun trade deadline. I'll say that. Who's your winner, Joe? Mm, that's a really good one. I'd say I'd say I'm liking where the Kings are at, and honestly, I like where the where Detroit's at. I know we just got Marvin Bagley. That's really about it. But I like where we're at. Yeah, I think it was good. Loser. Mm, Trailblazers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think I gotta go with you. I, th- I think that's undisputed. You, it's so hard, and I. It'll be between the pick will be between I believe from what Woj said was five and fourteen. Five and fourteen is a huge. Yeah, cap. that's a that's that's a huge. That's cap. a that's a like a five star player versus like a maybe like a like a bench like a good bench player basically or something yeah. like that. Like that's that's a big gap of where you can get some talent at. Yeah, not great, but that's NBA trade deadline finally wrapping up the show. Olympic Games, Beijing, twenty twenty two are nearing the end. It's been so fast, Joe. We haven't had a chance to cover them as much as we'd like to, but we'd obviously love to finish out mm-hmm. today with them. Uh, medal count leaders as of now. Norway is leading the way at 29. They have 14 golds as well. Germany sitting with 22 and 10 golds. The United States in 21st leading with 8 silvers. Or no, excuse me. They are second, I believe, with 8 silver medals, 8 golds as well, and 5 bronze. China, the hosts, are in fifth. It's a want want for them. But I think the biggest, biggest thing that everybody has seen with the Olympics is U.S. men knocked out early in hockey. Not yeah, what we expected. It. Definitely not what we expected. We like who we lose to again. Slovakia. Yes, yeah, Slovakia in the shootout. That was that was rough. That uh, there was a lot of expectations with this team that I thought we were going to go pretty far. Uh, Hey, at least our curling's good. Uh, that's what we like to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have, dude, that guy, the one, I forget his name, but the guy with the mullet, he looks like he was just slamming some, but he was like slamming Bud Lights before he came here <laughs> or something like that because he just looks like an absolute unit. Oh. Like, there's an eagle screeching somewhere every time he cracks open a cold one. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, with like, I was kind of expect. I was, I mean, honestly, Germany's kind of coming out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting them to have as many uh, medals as they do. Uh, but I mean, Norway's pretty expected since they're the most decorated Winter Olympics uh, country of all time. So I don't know. It's 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 interesting to see like what the United States is good at uh, in the Winter Olympics because you'd think that like we'd be a lot or like higher up in the standing. I mean, we're third, but like we're still seven medals behind. So you think that we'd be doing pretty good uh, for other stuff, but. 
I don't know. That was a big thing. The big thing that I was really just dis- not disappointed, but like just sad about is like the way Sean White ended his career. Yes. Like that was that was rough. If you didn't see it, he fell on his final run uh, when he probably would have medal, almost gold medal, probably. Uh, except the what was it? The kid from China. I forget his name. He just did a crazy run uh, to take the podium or to take the top of the podium. But I mean, Sean White ends a what twenty year career. Five Olympics that he's been to, and he's he's medaled in almost everyone's. Hate to see the last one, but you know he's a guy who I don't know when when you were when we were growing up, he was just like the he was the action sports guy. Like he was like yep. he was like the he is the Tony Hawk of snowboarding. Yes. Like anytime you look at the X Games, it's like oh Sean White. All right, he's gonna get a gold. Let's just see what he does. And I think when he. When you see the the runs that he puts together and the amount of talent that he has to just do these incredible, the half pipe is honestly one of the hardest things to me that oh, you would think hands from. Down. To you, you need to go up at a basically a ninety degree angle and then come down at that ninety degree angle again. You can't go any like an inch farther, or else you're gonna break a leg. And you can't go an inch the other way because that's a, the difference between you know a two foot drop or like a that's the difference between matching at the top and gliding down smoothly to your knee's broken because you just drop an extra five feet or whatever. So that's like the cool thing about that. And he's just a guy who's been able to dominate that sport or that section of the sport. And he's been incredible. Have you watched his TikToks at all? I've not watched his TikToks. Dude, I'm not watching familiar his, with that Watching platform. his uh, TikToks has just made him like him that much more. Oh, yeah. I believe it. He was such a likable guy. Yeah, I think for he, sure. He really was a likable guy. Uh, I, I recall the interview that he had when he won his first gold um, when he was only, what, 18 at the yeah. time when he won. And then he was <laughs> talking. drinks. Drinks, you're only 18 years old. I'm no, talking about no, now, baby. Yeah. yeah, that interview is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. But, yeah, I agree. Cool. I watched that full half pipe and just seeing him on the last run, it just seemed like the whole life was just sucked out of everybody behind the television it just really just you i i was watching it with my parents and i literally was i told them i said can they just let him go one more just let him have a nice run let him come out a couple methods and ride out in style because we don't want to see him go down on a run even if it doesn't count like we just want to see him go crazy we want to see him do one good one to leave off but i mean give credit to ayuma hirano the one you were talking about the japanese snowboarder that (laughs) one of the best runs i've ever seen he almost got snubbed from the uh, the first or the second run that he was trailing, I believe, early on to Scotty James, but that's a whole other story. But I think he's passed the torch, though. I mean, you have Chloe Kim, who's going to be incredible for years to come, and I mean, you have a lot of young stars that are going to be great in the sport. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, think it's time. You know, it's the future is like... bright, and Sean White paved the way, and I think his legacy is going to stand forever in the in this sport. So. I think, I mean, we certainly did well in snowboarding overall. I mean, we had three gold medals, four total, um, which was huge. Uh, I think we'd, I mean, it would put us pretty high if, you know, we didn't have biathlon and skiing, which Northway literally just runs the table with every year, every single event. But, you know, it is what it is. But it's been a great Olympics. But I think the biggest thing I saw as well as the skiing has been pretty subpar because the man-made snow out there is, is not sticking, and it's really no. becoming really hard. And we've seen top-tier athletes like Kayla Schifrin, who's been knocked out of multiple events that normally she'd be in the podium for every single run. Yeah, that's the one thing that like I kind of noticed about it. It's just like the it's, – it's, when you look at where the events are, they're just like placed all over the place, and it's just like they're – it's all man-made snow like they don't have any snow like around which is like which you'd think that they try to make it so that way it would be in a spot where there's more natural snow than man-made snow like when when you look back like the the winter games that would be like at like tahoe or something like that or just like in spots where there's actual snow all year round rather than going to a spot where you know you have to make artificial snow for these athletes that are used to in, to, used to competing in natural snow that's such a curve to deal with and i mean i'm not even that big of a skier and i telling the, the difference between skiing on artificial snow and or like man-made snow and natural snow is an incredible difference because it's like ice mm-hmm. when you're going on on man-made snow it's like you're zooming through you don't have a whole lot of grip it's it's not even powder it's just like sheet it's like not even a sheet of ice either it's just like a bunch of chips of ice that like you're just kind of gliding over and it feels a lot different and man-made snow you're more it's more of like you're kind of pushing through a little bit and you're able to get a lot more grip on it too so i mean that's the one thing when you look at these athletes who are underperforming 
You can blame it on the snow. That when they say that the snow is making a big impact, it's not like they're making an excuse to, you know, like kind of like cop out of anything. It's a real thing, and these guys, these men and women, are really, I would say, struggling with it. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing with that is, like, especially the steepness with man-made snow is super difficult. It is absolutely super difficult, and I think people don't realize that, like, um, obviously me and Joe have experience with this being from Michigan. We have a couple months of man-made snow before we have the the true good stuff. Yeah, usually on Thanksgiving when uh, they try to push out uh, the start date. Yeah, exactly. So it can be it can be tough, and it the biggest thing about man-made snow that really it doesn't pack together as well. It's it's really hard to make it just so kind. It gets it's it gets pressed and compact past the limit of what you'd want to like with natural snow where natural snow doesn't it doesn't necessarily flatten out and push itself out it's it stays more compact a lot better yeah. and i mean especially it comes down it, it's got a pretty much a pretty much a thicker volume when it falls as well as compared to what the guns can rip out for nat, for man-made snow so it can be it can be really tough to really get that line of when that snow gets really really packed down it starts getting slick just like joe said with the sheets so we've seen a lot of that and especially with that steepness that's that's you're going 80 miles per hour and you're making a hard 45 degree angle of a cut on that it gets really hard and especially with the visibility as well when i watched i turned on i believe it was i think it was the alpine and you could not see the rider from the snowfall and i was like why don't why why are we having this but where they made all the man-made snow for this stuff, it doesn't make that much sense. But I don't know exactly what the plan was. I know they were trying to make the best event possible, but in the end, it's just it's just. I don't want to say it was like a little bit of an underwhelming Olympics, but it kind of has just because of the amount of big names that have fell out early and the storyline just not being as great in the United States' favor. And I mean, it's pretty easy to top off that with everything you've seen around the the Beijing Olympics just you know everything just looks okay the the like the Olympic aura doesn't make doesn't seem when you got all these these huge like industrial plants everywhere in between the the, the giant slalom and stuff it just yeah. doesn't look it doesn't look the same and it just it's just really kind of depleting the Olympic experience for the viewer yeah definitely I've, I mean the same thing I have I really can't add much to it because you kind of knocked it out of the park Home run. <laughs> Home run, baby. Wii Sports Olympics. Yeah. That would be fun. Dude, honestly. You see Wii Sports coming back to Switch? Yes, I did they see that. They don't have baseball, though, and they don't have the Mies, though. Yeah, that's so lame. that's a little bit different, but lame. regardless. Tennis is back, though. That's true. That was always so fun. And you'd always play. Have you ever played the single-player version with four people? Where you just tennis? yeah you're playing against yourself oh yeah and you're like, hitting right you, back and you're forth. comparing both for each team I used to do this the whole time yeah, I just shake my hand it. and it's just like <laughs> yeah exactly back and forth it's like the net battles it's so fun but hey shout out to the, them for bringing it back that should be legendary I might have to get a switch for now just to play Nintendo I mean, sports gonna, I think my roommate has one so I'll see if we can get Look, also Lego Star Wars is coming on the like the switch so that might be the reason I get a switch but who knows. Ooh. That's gonna be. That's you gonna play be. Play Lego fun. Star Wars. I haven't played a bunch of the Lego games. I would totally be down to now. Missing though. out. Missing out. Yeah, I, my roommate or my um my teammates that I, I've spent time with, they they have I believe a couple. So I'm sure that I would definitely go over there and play some. Play on had, the play on the bus we played rides. Smash though. We Dude, played Smash. Smash was fun. Yeah, smash I'm not blast. Tot- I'm not totally experienced in a good Smash player, but Smash is fun. You know, it, it's really fun. But Mac was my guy. Yeah. Mac and uh, what is it? Icarus. Those two mm-hmm. on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was clap. Clap everybody. Oh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, me and Joe are going to go play some video games now yeah. as we finish up this episode. Thank you for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to these podcasts on, and maybe even including YouTube for our best bits and more. We'll have the coverage and everything, all the fun stuff. Hey, maybe you'll hear our conversation from today on there. We'll see. You never know. Take care, everybody.